Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always, always much appreciated when you tune in. Today, I'm joined by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we take a look at Eric Bieniemy after his first press conference, our first impressions of Washington's new offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach. Before that, a couple of reminders. Don't forget, you can find my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the enemy's pressure, so go ahead and give that check that out. You can find Bram, of course, on ESPN 630 in Washington, D.C. So a couple of things. On the coaching staff, by the time you hear this, it may be that they announce the new staff, And um, but as, as of Thursday evening, they were still assembling it, still kind of finalizing who was going to be where. where. I don't expect massive upheaval, but there's certainly going to be some change, whether it's with some people coming in into new roles, some people who are already here, perhaps being shifted into different roles. So that's something to pay attention to. We already know Drew Terrell is out, Jim Hustler's out, and there, there you go. So that's what we know, but stay tuned for that. That It may be by early next week, it could be done. Ron Rivera said he'd like to have it done by the combine, which is next week, but there was no guarantee of that. However, it could happen anytime. A couple of other things that could happen anytime is Carson Wentz being released. Don't forget, he's still on the roster, but I would look for him to release sometime soon because they're going to want to give him a chance to catch on with another team before free agency begins, if he's able to do that. Um, and so I would expect that may, maybe in the next week, I don't know, but it's going to be sometime soon. We all know it's coming. The other one is the franchise tag for Deron Payne. The deadline for that is March 7th. I would expect him to be tagged and then for the negotiations to continue after that. They want to sign him to a long-term deal, um, if at all possible. So that's going to be the key. So even if he gets put on the tag, they're going to continue to to try to negotiate with him. So there you go. That's Those are two things. Finally, the Washington Post reported that Jeff Bezos has hired Allen and company to look into, to basically look have them um, – look into a bid, a possible bid on the Washington Commanders. It's a significant step, but we don't know where it's going to lead. We also know, first of all, here's what we know. We know that Josh Harris is one of the groups put in, that has put in a bid and has toured the facility. We know that at least one, probably two other groups have toured the facilities as well. Don't know who they are. That's this. That part is very secretive. We also know that Bezos has been lurking out there. We've talked about this for, for many, many uh, different times that other groups involved in this, they know Bezos is out there. And I told you the other day, one person who told me the fact that he hasn't come out and said he's not interested, and there's been many opportunities to do so, the fact that he hasn't done that has led them to believe 
that he's going to get involved at some point, and this could be the start of it. So we'll see where it goes. Of course, these groups know that he could just come in and plunk down whatever, and they're out because he can top whatever they have to offer. And this has happened before. I think there were some groups. I know the Josh Harris group was one of the bidders for the Mets, Steve. But but in that in the one in that case, they knew that Steve Cohen was out there, and they knew that once Steve Cohen became involved, that was it. So there you go. I think there some people are kind of wondering if the same thing's going to happen this time around with Bezos. Still a ways to go, but just another step in this entire process. On Monday, I will have a podcast with a former agent and salary cap guru, Joel Corey, works for CBS Sports, also has an, um, a podcast with Empire called Inside the Cap. We're going to go over a lot of the costs involved in keeping a lot of these players around. It'll be the first non-BNME podcast that I will have had in more than a week. But I want to get back to some of the financials as we as we get closer and closer to free agency and get into some of the issues that, that this team has to address from a financial perspective, et cetera. So there you go. That's it for me. Now, here's my conversation with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we go over all things Eric Bieniemy after his first press conference. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bram, I can't, you know, it's funny because you and I have been to a lot of first press conferences for new coaches. I don't remember one like this for an offensive coordinator. Do you? Nope. Uh, this was new. Um, very well attended. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, somewhat surprised how many of the ten, players showed up. I think it was like up. 10 players. 10 players showed up. The whole coaching staff was there, you know, so, or I saw most of them. I don't know. I, I shouldn't say all of them, but I saw most of them sitting in there. Um you know, I think this is someone of a high prominent national profile, and that's what's really unusual about this, right. that it's one, I think for a lot of reasons, you know, his his career has been the subject of a lot of people's interest. And he, as you know, has become kind of a poster child for a, you know, a, diver a diversity issue or a lack of diversity issue. And there, you know, he, we can talk about it, but he dodged talking about that today and made it really about why he was there. But I think prominent national profile, um, not a lot else going on today, you know, I think, but for this team, it's a home run hire. And frankly, I thought it was a home run first impression that I got from him as well, honestly. What is, what is it that stood out to you the most? I really liked what he had to say about, you know, cause the, you know, you don't know until you hear the person talk and the reputation is, you know, hard coaching and, oh, he reiterated that, that that is part of what's going to happen here, but not inflexible 
hard coaching. Um, you know, I, I've, my issues with Scott Turner in the offense, you know, previously was I didn't feel like it was particularly flexible to what was happening in real time. Um, I don't blame Scott. Turner. I don't want to make this about Scott Turner because I don't blame him for everything that happened. I don't think that, you know, I think he fell on the sword here for a lot of what happened, but, and a lot of things were out of his control, but that part of it, you know, especially like early in the season when it's mismatched schemes with, um, you know, against rush that was coming against them. Um, clearly publicly, you know, the team was asking him publicly through us to play differently, run the ball more. Um, there is a difference when Taylor Heineke is playing quarterback and Carson Wentz is playing quarterback. I don't know how you don't see it that way. So I think there was just and in hearing the enemy suggest that, like, I want everybody to be accountable, but it is my job to put you in the best position to win. And I think my favorite answer was because so much happened after the season when Rivera and Martin Mayhew did that first press conference. And they both reiterated they want to run the ball two to one. And everybody's just like ran with that, that like that's what's going to happen. And that's just not realistic. Like we're not right. Navy. And they, they like that's not, it's not going to happen. Right. But him saying, I don't care how we win. And if we do it, some weeks we run the ball, some weeks we throw the ball. I don't care as long as we win was really that hit the right note for me, like in, in every way. So, all along the way, the things that were important to me, which are moving forward here. His whole background and his backstory and what he's got ahead of him, that's for other people to deal with. In my, you know, my interest is how much better are the commanders going to be? And he hit a lot of high notes for me today of what I wanted to hear from him. He did. Now, a couple of things that stood out to me, and it's funny because I go back to, like, this is the kind of press conference that we almost saw, not quite to the degree of a head coach. And so I, you kind of always go by first impressions of how somebody is, like, whether it was Schottenheimer, you you could feel the passion gives, you could feel the aura around him. Spurrier, you knew he was completely outmatched and unprepared, right? Zorn, you could just, I remember you and I walking out of the Zorn presser, and you're, I, mean, I think you, one of us said, they're going to be three and 13 this year. It was that goofy and bad, whatever. I think from this one, what I really took was the energy and the passion that he has for the game yeah. and that he has for being a coach. Now, how is that going to translate to being a good offense coordinator? I don't know, but I think you get guys who want to then play for you if you can do a certain, if you're a certain way, and you have that passion. I think, I think this is a guy who's kind of built his career off of that passion, that drive. And and I asked him a question about how this is a guy who was in college was a, a top running back in the country. He goes to the NFL. He's no longer that guy. He had to carve out his career as kind of a role player and then a special teams guy. And I even asked him how that formed him. And he said in his first first year with, I think it was with Cincinnati, that um, Dan Henning was like going to cut. He goes, if you're not the first one down on the kick, kick coverage, you're going to get cut. And he's like, that scared him. And he, and he even called his agent and said, get me out of here. And somebody basically told him that, it's not, you know, it's it's really about what value can you add to a team? And it took him a little bit to sink in. And then he realized this is how you have to do it. And I think he's transferred that to his coaching. But it's all, I think the passion, the energy kind of surround everything, Brian, for me. Yeah, I think I like I like the mesh here. Like, honestly, um, you know, I've seen this before and I don't know how to really describe Rivera, whether in, in a good cop, bad cop scenario i think he's more good cop oh definitely more good cop in this than bad cop. yes 
And I've seen this before, like where Joe Gibbs is real big time good cop, really. I mean, he'll he'll tell the players how he feels when necessary, but in general, protective of them, supportive of them, very um, publicly supportive of them. And then they had Greg Williams here and that was bad cop. And he was demanding, very, very demanding. Uh, Gibbs had Joe Bugle, similarly, bad cop. Like he was really nice guy and everybody really liked him, but he <laughs> was taking nothing from anybody and demanding, you know, respect. Rivera, it's interesting. Like Rivera, I think is more good cop than bad cop. Um, that said, I do think this team is tough. Like I don't think that that's a question about them. No. So I, I, when I heard Bienemy talk about accountability and you're going to see it on tape, and I want second effort and all that stuff, the stuff that really, for me, um, you know, I think is the next level for this team. I think it falls in line with what's already being said in the locker room. You know, everything we need is in this room. Everybody in this room, we need. We throw stones. We do this together. We pull on the rope at the same time. And you know, if they can get that kind of attitude with the offense. And I think it was kind of already there. And there are certain players that I think will take to this, like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson. I'm not worried about them being coached hard at all. In fact, I think it'll be good for them. And I think they'll, they'll actually want it. Um, If in the end, this forces them to score more points, (laughs) then ultimately we'll get to where we need to get to. And um, I agree. I just think I like the messaging today. And I do think it's in line with the way Rivera speaks. I just think what you're going to see on the oh, field. I think they is, spoke a lot of the same stuff. They did. Um, but I do think the energy level is different. You see Rivera kind of ramp up sometimes, but it's not that often and it's selective. I think we're going to see this with this coach way more often. So maybe bad cops, the wrong way to put it, but his reputation precedes himself, which is he doesn't care who you are. He's going to demand excellence out of you and he's going to let you know it. And in the case of Rivera, he casually does that, at least with us, you know, and not that often. And he'll he'll do with the players sometimes. You'll you'll see, but there's it's always, to be honest, like with him, I think you get the feeling that sometimes the player kind of knows what he's doing. With Bienemy, he's just gonna chew your ass out regardless yes. of who you are. Now, the good thing for them is who's their best player on offense? It's Terry McLaurin. I think if you're gonna chew someone out, like he's a good one to chew out if he needs to be, because, you know, this is a guy who played at Ohio state under urban Meyer, urban Meyer, like it's not going to bother him. Well, no, no, it's not because Terry was not a star at Ohio state. He was the third or fourth receiver. So you, this, that's the kind of hard coaching he got. So you have a guy who can handle that. I do think there's some guys that they feel that he could probably light a fire under, whether it's a, you know, and you know, I don't know. Well, well, how much will it help Cosme? How much could it help some of those young offensive linemen to have someone up their ass all the time. Now, not that Matsko wasn't, but you know, I think some there's the- some skill position guys, John, that I'm interested to see how they take to this. Who? Like Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Like okay. I'm, I'm interested to see how he takes to it. I'm, and I'm not trying to blast him or anything. I just, I'm interested to see how he takes to this. Like, you know, like, is he going like last year in the summer when he had a fumble and then they, it looked like they benched him, but we weren't really sure that they benched him. And then they were pri- basically trying to describe that he was going to have a different role. And then unfortunate things happened with Brian Robinson and they had to scrap all those particular initial plans. Like, I actually think he took that relatively well. Yeah. But it, you know, like publicly, but privately, it was pretty clear that he was pretty upset, you know, with everything. And and listen, that's that's natural. Like, I'm not blaming him for it. The coaches, though, Scott Turner and the company, they're not going. That's not what this is. So 
if he makes a mistake or he gets ridden a little bit because he has a bad week or something like that, how's he going to take to it? Because I look at him and I go, if this flips a switch on and they use him in the way that I think they he's capable of being used, he'd be dynamic in this, like massively dynamic in this. But if he doesn't take to this and it bothers him, then it could go the other way. Like this isn't going to be for everybody. And I'm not saying it won't be for Gibson, but he's one of the people I'll be interested to see how he reacts to all of this. Like Brian Robinson, I don't have a, you know, my first impression of him is this is not going to bother him. He came out of Nick Saban. He hasn't heard, he's heard this before. He has been in line with people. You know, he had to wait his turn to play running back and look how good he is because of the amount of people that were ahead of him. I think it'll be, he got shot came back, wanted to come back as quickly as possible, played as hard as he could. I saw him pregame a couple of times where you could see it in him. I'm not worried about him for a second dealing with hard coaching. But to your point about some of the others, you know, we'll see. Like, let's see how it goes. And, you know, it's it's a new personality and it's a new voice in the room. And it's going to be a very demanding one. But I look at this team and I look at the skill position players and I go, yeah, Demand more out of them. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's ridiculous that they were 22nd in the league in scoring with this skill position group. Right. And I think, you know, that's the thing. Again, we don't know how he's going to be as a play caller. We just, we don't know. And and we'll see. I'm not saying it's going to be good or bad. I don't know. I'm only going off what we saw today from him that that stood out and we'll learn about all that other stuff later. And we'll speculate for five or six months about it. And the key to being a good offense coordinator ultimately is putting your guys in spots to succeed. If you do that, you could be, you know, a, a, you know, they have no personality at all and they'll play for you because they like that. But I do think that this group needed some energy. I do think that that side of the ball needed a kick in the butt, not just a, not because I think they're all laser or anything like that, but because I think they haven't succeeded. It's been, I think the last time they had a top 10, um, top 10 offense in terms of yards or points was in 2016. Since then, they've sucked. And it's just been, I think I had the stat was in, Bram, this is unbelievable. In Since 2000, they've averaged 20 or more points five times. Yeah. Just five times. They, they had like, in the <laughs> in the Spurrier years, they were under 18, less I, than eight. So I it just, was so, it's, like, it's that's so crazy. What, that's, like last year, I thought they would luck into a 30 plus point game because they're just like, it'd be just one of those days where you can't stop them because there's just too many good players on the field right. at the same time. And the fact that it never happened, you know, it just, it, it's, it's kind of, and, and again, like, I don't want this to be about Turner entirely. Like is it's the front office's fault of what happened with the offensive line. Frankly, oh, okay? that's not his fault. Like the quarterback choices, that wasn't his choice either. So like, I don't blame him that they didn't have a top level quarterback on this team. So I don't want to like dump on him. That said, you do have to work with what you have and the cupboard is not bare, especially on the outside. And I did like hearing, you know, Rivera has been talking about this. I did like hearing Bianami talk about this. Get the ball in the hands of these skill position players faster. Let them do the work for you. Let them show you what kind of playmakers they are. The type of stuff that Gibson can do, which is why I bring them up. The type of stuff Samuel we've seen do. The type of stuff we've seen Dotson do. Good Lord. Like, you want run after the catch, game-breaking type players who can either break tackles or shake people. There they are. They're sitting right in front of you. And you've got a massive number one potential deep threat intermediate route receiver and Terry McLaurin. 
there's no excuse for them to be bottom third in the league in scoring. And that I hope will change this year. Well, and I think the big thing, and I'm going to get back to some other impressions in a minute, but sticking with what they can see, we can see on the field. The big thing I heard throughout this process was how they can better use those skill guys. And I think the frustrating, the frustrating part for, for, for the people here was watching Terry McLaurin not get the ball for long stretches. How is, you know, that can't be possible. And, you know, how can they do a better job? Like the thought was that the explosive plays had to come down the field versus like that Dallas game was a prime example of what they could become. And it's, it's a, you know, it's the quick throws by Howell. It's the, you know, creating space for these guys to run after the catch because they're all capable of it. And Dotson showed that very well. And I think that kid's going to have a really good year. Um, McLaurin obviously can do that. So I think it's putting that. That's what they talk about. So it's, I don't like stylistically, you know, people keep asking, what are they going to look like? And I think what you could see the difference is how and where and when they're getting the ball to the skill guys more so than that. Oh, this because you know, the, the, the West coast is a lot of slants, dart passes, the short passes, but that could fit this group pretty well. So I think, and then I think the other thing with that too, is Logan Thomas, how does this affect him? Because, you know, and I know people brought up the Travis Kelsey, the Kansas city use him a lot. Yeah. Cause he's a hall of famer. So it's not, but, but having said that they want to use the tight end. And so where, where will Logan Thomas be? I think that we saw him can get back to close to where he was as a receiver as a blocker. He's got to get better. And you wonder like, is that where the knee injury is still bothering him and the confidence in that. And then the, the development of the other guys, uh, Cole Turner, Rogers, and then Curtis Hodges, they really like those three. So I don't think they have to go out and get one, but I think how are they going to use them? So those I mean, are some on the field things, Bram, that that you, you have heard throughout this process. And then again today. Honestly, if they didn't have such a need on the offensive line and corner and linebacker, I would make an argument that 16 would be for one of those two really, really good tight ends. Like I would, because I there are, there are a couple of, that looks to be like no brainer type going to be really great receiving tight ends that are coming out this year. Um, and I would make an argument for it at 16, but because they do have Logan Thomas and others that they like, and they do have massive needs somewhere else. Right. I, I they, just can't make a case for it. Frankly. No, you can't. And I think like the other thing is they know that those guards have to be replaced. So, yeah. and it's just a matter of how are you getting there? Are you signing some via free agency draft? Are you moving Cosme inside and then signing another one? How are you getting there? But I think they know that. Then the question is, where? what is Chase Ruye's health? And then, you know, um, what, what are they going to do, uh, do at center um, tackle? You know, where do you go? But so they know they have to replace a lot of those guys. And so, or at least upgrade that line significantly. But you're right. Like they, that's why I think you have to, you're going to wait and see how these other guys develop a tight end. But they really do like them. So you yeah. know, I think I think that's and I do too. And I don't think yeah. it, it's not a barren position group. It, it's actually no. it's got a lot of promise to it. Yeah. And maybe the enemy unlocks Cole Turner or someone like that. Or maybe they figure out a way Rogers was a total find. Like maybe there's a way they unlock him a little bit next year, too. I don't know. But all I'm saying is like keep an eye on Curtis. There Hunter. are a couple of tight ends that look like Kelsey yeah, yes. that are coming out this year. Yeah. yeah. But I think with with what this team needs, you're right. Now, now having said that. If there are some offensive linemen, I know they're not, they don't like in this draft, right? And then, so if that's the case, and you know, you don't just pick a lineman to pick one, if you get there and the corners you don't like and the, the other guys you don't like aren't there, well, there you go. But 
we can we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about yeah. that. The other thing that jumped out to me with the enemy too, Bram. There's two things. One, he was asked about you know all these interviews over the years or being a head coach, but all he and I heard this again during you know shortly after you interviewed about how focused he was on just being here, not using yep. this for anything else other than just being here. And you have a head coach who loves to say, be where your feet are. Well, nobody said that more than the enemy. So I think there was also, there's, there's no bitterness. It's not something that is, is, um, you know, following around him around like a, like some lead jacket or something like that, where he's carrying it around. He seems to want, he seems very enthused about this, but there's no bitterness. And then um, the relationship aspect too, very big on, what do you what you know about coaching and how it's about relationships, developing that with the players, with others? But I think that was a big thing for him too. Yeah, no, I liked all that. I mean, again, he hit so many high notes for me: effort, uh, accountability. You know, we are going to be coached hard. We are going to have like I'm looking at these people in the front row and I'm asking for accountability from them. But at the same time, he's saying, "You better ask it back from me." Like yeah. I liked hearing that. I want to get to know you. I've heard that about him that he's a big relationship person heard all of that like i do like just as far as first impressions go i think it went really well and on the head coaching stuff like i don't know what to say about it because i don't know you know i don't know what's going on here with him i did hear ron rivera you know he did a multiple different scrums with people and i talked to him on, on my own and i didn't ask about that stuff because again i'm kind of in the enemy's camp here how does he make the commanders better that's all i really care about right, right. now and you know his career is his career and hopefully he'll you know, achieve the things he wants to achieve. But I did hear Rivera at one point when he was asked about it, say, you know, there were a couple of years where I went on six, seven interviews and I just right. didn't get my chance. And it finally came around where Carolina gave me the opportunity and here I am now. And so he's like, I'm not the only, you know, he's not the only one. Um, he has worn this, uh, you know, probably mainly probably against his will and hearing him today, it felt very organic to me that he's like serious, like, He's he's being written about as if he's the poster child of a lack of diversity in the league. Is he comfortable with that? Because like, I'm sure he does want these head coaching positions. But if you listen to him today, he's not the one banging the drum that he's been overlooked or whatever yeah. the case may be. And maybe it's saying, just yeah. the right thing to say, but he is being utilized that way as kind of a pivot point. And it is interesting because look, like, I don't get it either. Like, I don't understand why he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. And then whatever whispers you hear about how he interviews or all this other stuff, uh, he made a hell of an impression on me today. So I don't like, like if that's how he's performing in meetings with in, in elsewhere, I am somewhat surprised that he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. And though, you know, it's funny because even, I even asked him about the LaShawn McCoy comments because McCoy obviously was very harsh against him. Now, when I asked it, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you ask it because it's been out there and it's dominating coverage on social media and all that. So you give the guy a chance to see, like, what do you think? And he handled that very well. And I thought his answer yeah. was more like, hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'm just basically worried about what I'm doing here. And it, and it seems genuine and sincere. And so, um, of course, the other thing is when the question was asked was a lot of guys have stuck up for you after he said that. Yeah. But but it also was again was clear you know that, who stuck up for him Pat Mahomes Tyreek Hill Tyron Matthew like right, stalwart right. Chiefs who were starters and played there Travis for a long Kelsey. time. So l listen, yeah. you and I have been around this way too long. You there is no unanimous anything for no. anybody in this league. 
There were none. There were some Zero. believe it or not, there were some players who didn't like Joe Gibbs. Of course. I mean, so there's there's no such right. thing as unanimity in popularity no. in this sport whatsoever. Like so, so you know, like okay, so one guy, his experience with him was that. I don't blame McCoy for sharing that. And like that was his experience. Um, you know, but the support for him has been overwhelming. And certainly he's in the minority of an opinion like that. Yeah. And again, I think the best thing for Biennemi is coming here, he will get the chance to fully show everything he can do. So, you know, you have a chance if you can make something of a situation here, given, you know, Sam Howell, 19 career passes, maybe you could be a good quarterback. We don't know. You have the an offense that hasn't done crap for a long time. So if you turn something around here, it's going to look really, really good for him. So it's a gamble for him on himself. Um, and I think I, I but but again, like what stood out to me with the whole thing is this is not somebody who operates out of bitterness. He operates out of passion for the game. Like you can yeah. just feel that. And I think like, you know, I always felt like Greg Williams was a hard ass to be a hard ass. You know, he wore that with a source of pride. This guy, I think it just, it comes naturally, right? You know, and I know like even with Williams, you'd have like, he dropped the F-bombs here and there and like, uh, blah. well, the players would tell me like, after a while, they became immune to all that. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy that they feared the most was Greg Blosh. Because he said when he would do it, they were afraid that he actually might kill you because that was <laughs> the passion he had. It came from that. And I think with the enemy, there's going to be a lot of that. And I, and I, and I like that, you know, again, I don't know what it means as far as a play caller goes, but the things that I like as a play caller or as a, as an offensive designer is the input. Like when in Kansas city, Andy Reid was very big on creating, get collecting input from many different people. I yep. think he's going to be that same way. And so I think it's, who is he going to surround himself with to help him to help foster those ideas. And then it's again, putting guys in position to succeed. And so we didn't get a ton of specifics, but I wouldn't expect that today, but that's what we'll see. And so we will see that, but until that point, how much does he help with their details and attention to details in the game? I think all that stuff matters a great deal. Yeah. And you know, the, the tough part, and they, they reiterated this over and over, um, you know, they, they can't really be in communication with the players by virtue of the CBA. Right. So, you know, like it's, it, I found this to be crazy, you know, that like, this is what they negotiated that like, you just can't yes. talk to us type of stuff. And I don't know how that's helpful for anybody, the players, the coaches, anybody, you know, like I get it. Maybe some players feel like it would be abused in some level and that it'd be held against them if they're not constantly there in contact. And I, so I understand where they're coming from, but in this case, it was just so striking that like, here are all these players here that would love to talk to him. He'd like to start working with them. And, and there's like kind of a prohibitive part of it. And there's one other thing about the opportunity. Cause like everyone's trying to figure out, you know, why did this happen? How did this happen? Why would he go from there to here? All that type of stuff. Um, what was clear. If you listen closely to what he was talking about was he'd been thinking about leaving there for a while, like for whatever, for whatever reason it is. Yeah. And this is another thing that never seems to get brought up. Like when talking about this, his contract as of the Super Bowl had expired. Right. So he he's looking for a, he was looking for a position. He had only signed a one year deal after last year. I think they thought he was going to get a different position last year. I think year. they did think that. Yeah, they, you know, only he knows, and Andy Reid and all them only know the real answer to that. And obviously, they like him. It's not like they were you know pushing him out the door. But he only signed for a one year deal. You know, like so like they've been waiting 
and he's been eager to move on. So I don't know why everybody looks at this as he left Pat Mahomes. He did not. He was only under contract with them for so long. I liked how he couched it with, you know, I don't want to be comfortable my whole life, and I do want to take on a different type of, of opportunity. This is certainly one of them. And the other thing that nobody knows, because this has also became very clear to me today, like if you asked him, when did this come together? It definitely was coming together before the Super Bowl. They waited <laughs> out, they waited out it, the Super Bowl because yes. they had to wait out the Super Bowl. But Correct. like, just think about like, how like in in demand this person is or perceptually is and he only really took one interview and took the job so it was a done deal before and who knows for how exactly long it was but probably at least a couple of weeks and then lastly about it and this is the other thing i don't know the answer to this you don't know what's in his contract so like for those who sit there and try to couch like what is this opportunity you don't know what this team offered him and all things considered Considering what I've heard in the past about deals like this, I don't know what's in his contract. So, and I'm not going to speculate what it is, but just understand like all these like kind of surface ideas of why someone would do something and all that stuff oftentimes is not the reality of it. If you don't, if you really, until you dig in and know exactly what's on the line, what the opportunity looks like, what the future path is and all of those things. And clearly also, he, I think, genuinely was ready for just a change. And it also sounds like Kansas City was too. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too that's important to note here, first of all, if he wasn't get, if he wasn't getting a job after some of those Super Bowls and with the offense they had after four years in OC, he's not going to get one after six. You know, if he wasn't going to get one now, he wasn't going to get one, he wasn't going to get a head coaching job there for whatever reason. And if they're going to use the Andy Reid shadow and the Pat Mahomes shadow, well, then the best thing to do is to get out of there. And it's not like he's going to a place right. There is some intrigue on this offense. You have you can start with all the skill talent, and then then but there's a lot of mystery about Sam Howell. Um, but it's a good opportunity for him to run his own show, and you can't underscore what that would mean. And like yes, we all know where things could go. You have a new owner coming in. Um, at some point, what will happen there? What kind of security does his staff have, et cetera? But the flip side for him is if it works, it could really pay off because if you want to like, okay, hey, now you can't ignore me if that's what the goal is, right? And so I think that's that's why like to me, it's not a it's not I don't consider this a lateral move because he's running his show here. He was not, you know, for he's an assistant head, head coach yeah, and offensive coordinator of an yeah. NFL team. It's not a lateral move. No, but it's it's like it's now in terms of <laughs> who thinks that? Why well, do people say that? You, right. Like, and that's what that's what we kept hearing. But it's you know, when you're not calling the plays, and if that's a knock against you, here's a chance for you to do that thing that people wonder about. What can you do there? Now you're going from Pat Mahomes to Sam Howell. Yes, that's that's quite a change, but you yes, are running course. your show, and it wasn't from Pat Mahomes to anybody in the league, right. not named Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. It's a right. huge change, right? And yeah. but he wasn't getting a head coaching job for again for whatever reason. He wasn't getting it out of there. This is a chance for him to go show more of what he can do, and I think yeah. that's I think that's a big factor too. But again, with him, what you did not hear is him operating out of bitterness, and I I like guys like that who are able to look more forward. Focus on what you have now, which is what he'll he says he'll do, and then you know then see where it takes you. And so you know I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to him. I also like Bram, and you weren't there for this. A- at the end of um, 
when we had a little scrum with him after his press conference, and I put that video up. Hopefully, we'll have this up on the site um, to, on Friday. But after we were done, I asked him, like, what place are you going to miss in KC the most? What barbecue place are you going to miss the most? So he's like, pretty much all of them. But then it led to a, he's a big time smoker, like smoking the ribs. So we're going to have to have some conversations with him yeah. about sm- right. different smoking meats. And, and yeah, I knew I liked this guy. I knew oh, I liked, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked well, everything listen, he said today. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he, you know, he kind of poked, what was his line about, um, you know, working hard so you don't, so you, you, you know, so you can feed yourself. He goes, you can tell I've been working hard. Something along those lines. It was a funny line. I'm, I'm telling you, John, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like, cause I'm with you. Like I watch these things very closely. I listen to everything they say and first impressions really matter. And this guy was hitting him out of the park today for me, like totally out of the park on like every level, every, I was shaking my head. Yes. At one point, like I was like, and I try my best not to do things like that. Well, I, know, I, was like, a bit, I think when you stood up and said, amen, Amen. I think that was a little I bit just, much, Bram. You know, for, for as far as first impressions go, he really knocked it out of the park for me today. Yeah. And so I'm excited about it. And, you know, I, I don't, the cupboard is not bare here. Far from it. They are going to have to give him some help on the offensive oh, yeah. line. I don't care who the quarterback is. That needs to be fixed. And it's the one thing I wanted to talk to Ron Rivera about today, but I just didn't feel like it was the right day to do it because like we're, we're going to get into these discussions today on all of this. I mean, I just, I didn't feel like it was the right time to do right. it. Right. But, and that's the thing is, and, and the last thing I'll say is, as everybody's reminded me, no, no coach is a miracle worker. I mean, Joe Gibbs, when he came back, his offense has struggled. And, you know, this is a, one of the greatest coaches in history. You can make, you can put a case as him as the best. But his offense struggled that second time around. So you still need to have the Jimmys and the Joes on that offense. Anybody does. And, you know, Sean McVay, great offensive coordinator. They struggle when guys got hurt. Kyle Shanahan has struggled when guys aren't healthy. It's just that's the nature of this sport. So you have to have those guys. They have to give them a chance um, with the line. They've got to improve that. And I, I feel strongly that they they know how much they have to improve that. And then – they need how to at least be good. Yeah, and to be good. Do that, yeah, to be good. If they do that, then then we'll see what then then it could be a it's, fun it's funny you brought up Gibbs though, because my uh every Thursday on my radio show we do a bit called Throwback Thursday where we pick a date that's you know significant to this week. My producer said I want to do 2006. And I said, why? He goes, because in February 2006, Joe Gibbs flew to Kansas City, got Al Saunders brought him back to Washington and named him assistant head coach and offensive coordinator to change the offense, change the offense. And I was like, wow. Wow. That's right. (laughs) That is almost too surreal that that happened. Yeah. No, you forget that. And it was not a good fit. It did not work out. Al Saunders, it was legendary uh, playbook that was supposed to be like an old phone book did not take particularly well. And I like, actually liked Al a lot. A very nice guy, but it, it did not, it did not fly too well. No, no, still got to have the quarterback and, and that's always going to be the key for any team. So if Sam Howell comes through, then I think this team has a better chance. So there you go, Bram. Um, that's it. You got anything else? Uh, I just, I wanted to ask you if you think Jeff Bezos would give Lamar Jackson 250 million guaranteed, because that's the real big next question. No. <laughs> and I don't think, you know, that's the funny thing is because like that whole rumor, you know, it ain't happening. So no. there's for many reasons, no. and Baltimore's not going to send them to Washington to no. so be a star an hour <laughs> yes. away and take their fans down here. 
That's the, the definition of terrible business. Yes. Yeah. 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 So next question. So yeah. there you go. We'll end on that one. All right, Bram. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday with another podcast. Again, talking to Joel Corey, who is the expert on all things financial and is a hot God guy to talk to this time of the year because of that. Talk to you next time.